Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Upon Further Review for the state finals preview and a semi-state recap, our final episode of the football season. I'm Eric Dudkevich, better known as Dude, alongside the coach, Shannon Griffith, uh, taking you up for the next hour, looking back at this last weekend's semi-state games and uh, looking ahead to the state finals as we have two teams, coach, from the area heading down. Uh, Carroll with their big win in the semi-state in Class 6A, and Adams Central getting it done big time in Class 1A. The two schools from our uh, 260 area code that will be representing the region down in Indianapolis this Saturday at Lucas Oil. And Coach, uh, some exciting games out there that, uh, to say the least, that really a couple of them came down to the end. A couple of them were blowouts, but... Uh, uh, you know, at this time of year, this is what you want to play for is the opportunity to go to state and Carol and Adam central did just that. Yeah, it was a, the Carol Hamilton Southeastern game was a hard hitting game. I mean, the, these two teams really, uh, teed it up and went at it pretty hard in a very blustery at times, snowy, cold night that, uh, you know, had some factor on maybe some of the things what people like to do offensively, but. I mean, it was a really good football game. Um, you know, tap uh, hats off to Hamilton Southeastern on their season. But, you know, Carol, it's kind of a special night. I mean, you've got the 13th win, 13th week, and number 13, Owen Sheely. I mean, it was just like uh, it was a storybook ending for that particular night. And they get a chance now to go, go take on Center Grove in the state playoffs. And, you know, um, they've got one more and I guarantee you they're not even close to thinking that they're done yet. I mean, their kids are determined. And I think the best thing about it is, is that I think they came out pretty healthy. Starks went out early, but uh, uh, I think for the most part, we'll find out a little bit later the, you know uh, how good they came out of that game, but yeah, good game. Uh, Adam central congrats to them. They get a chance to rematch with Lutheran. And then of course, Snyder tough one to lose and, you know, double OT and, um, and Bishop Lures, we kind of figured would have their hands uh, full with Andrean. Yeah, uh, Carroll with the big twenty-one to fifteen win, holding off ha number one Hamilton Southeastern. Carroll came in uh, fifth in the final six A poll, and uh, they're headed to their first state title wow. uh, game ever in school history this weekend. Uh, and uh, exciting for them, Coach. And uh, we know we'll talk to. Coach Doug Dynan here later on in the show, uh, and and what a what a great season for them, and and it's it's a team we've talked about all year long. Mm -hmm. The ability to for them to 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 really since week one, um, they've been impressive and and have impressed us uh, as the season has gone along, and and now they're at the footsteps of of winning their you know heading down to Indianapolis and in. And have shot at winning their number, their first ever state title. Uh, they'll match up against Center Grove on Friday evening, and uh, you know this is a team that, especially their defense, I think is yeah. probably where you can really hang their hat on. Coach, you were there calling the game on thirteen eighty, the fan and one hundred point nine uh, with Caleb Hatch. I mean, that atmosphere. Uh, what was that like there? A big time matchup, especially for a program that had never uh, been to that point. It was great. I mean, uh, both schools had a great crowd considering that, you know, it was probably a minus wind chill, 
but you're right. Carroll's defense just was relentless all night long. And Hamilton Southeastern's a team that wants to run the football. That's their main emphasis. And uh, Carroll up front against a very physical offensive line for Hamilton Southeastern battled all night long and uh, really shut down the run game. I mean, they got a couple uh, big runs, but nothing to the extent where they were giving up the cheap score by any stretch of the imagination. And then, of course, the turning point of the game was the block punk by Dickerman, who uh, that was the big key turning point because they got the block and they got the six points. That's the key thing about that. And that's what they had to do. They had to find ways to gain a possession, get a special team play that, you know, gave them that extra possession. Um and they got it, and that's what they needed to beat a team like Hamilton Southeastern. Yeah, so Carroll gets it done, gets the win, heads to state. In Class 5A, a game that I stopped out at, uh, Snyder and Valparaiso uh, caught a bulk of the second half uh, on, on that one, and, and that was uh, one of those games, nip and tuck, old-fashioned, run the ball down each other's throat to see who could get more yardage each time, and it was it was one of those old-fashioned Snyder-Valpo semi-state matchups that – Came down to overtime, and uh, it was a, a big victory for um, Valparaiso because it went into overtime. They get the uh, touchdown uh, and then go for two, and uh, we'll, we'll dial up their touchdown run here. So it was one of those things where all night long they're, they're running back um, – Travis Davis, the second for Valparaiso, 264 yards on the night. So I think the system is a fourth and eight from the eight. And, uh, you know, a couple of the Snyder defenders had the opportunity to stop uh, the quarterback uh, for Clark for Valparaiso. He was able, he was flushed out of the pocket, got on the run um, and found Pater, jumped over the safety and defensive backs. And, and then they got the two point conversion right up the middle with Travis Davis and uh heartbreak for the Snyder Panthers for sure. And a little bit different in this semi-state because Snyder had never lost a semi-state like this. I mean, they've lost their semi-states and States uh, plenty of times over the years, but this one, especially at home, the one point loss in overtime, not being able to stop the two point conversion. I know on uh devastation to say the least amongst the Snyder players, but Another great year for them uh, going, you know, after that Carroll loss, the defensive effort that they were able to put on. Um, so to see them, you know, nothing to to hang their heads on on that season. It's, you know, easy for me to say, but I think they'll look back at this season and realize, you know, yes, what could have been, but uh, so much uh, that they were able to accomplish this year. So a, a great showing by Snyder and Valparaiso out there on Friday night and, uh, uh, Valpo with the huge win. They go uh, on uh, to that. And and then, of course, in 2A, uh, Bishop Lewers and Andrean. Um, Andrean really pulled away early. It was never yeah. really uh, Lewers, you know, the long, you know, I'm not going to blame it on anything, but, uh, you know, the situation with them going up there on the long bus trip uh, an hour later start. And and just Andrean is a, is a formidable foe year in and year out. And uh, – uh, the fighting 59ers pull away yeah. uh, pretty early and, and uh, lure season comes to end their coach. Yeah, it was a tough trip for them to make. And we kind of felt that that was going to be another game that, you know, lures was going to have to find ways to gain the extra possessions 
uh, to give them a chance to, to beat Andrean, especially up there. That's a tough place to go play. And, uh, you know, you found out by that. And, uh, but again, Lures made a great run. Uh, their year started out a little rough. They stuck together. They got better and they gave themselves a chance in the semi-state and they just came up short. And then our other group, uh, our other team from the area, Adams Central, number two in class 1A. They traveled to North Judson up in North Central Indiana and just dominate from start to finish. 35 to nothing back to back 35 to nothing games. They did that at regional against Carol of Flora and then come back at North Judson with a 35 to zero shutout. And uh, they're heading down to state against number one, Indianapolis loser in a rematch of the state championship from a year ago. Um, this is, I mean, the question is, is this a better Adam central team than we had a year ago? And I think, they're trying to prove that point, obviously, mm -hmm. to the point of winning the state championship this year. Uh, but hats off to Adam Central, just been dominant all year long. The closest anybody came was the 40, oh, 25 21 East Side, that game for sure. Right. That was a good game in week two. But, you know, at, you know, South Adams, I think after that in the regular season, week six was like 29 points. That was the closest anybody got. So, Kudos to Mike Mosser and his staff and the players down there. Ryan Black is their quarterback. Keegan Bloom, their running back. Uh, they're another team that is uh, – they lost a lot from last year. To be back here again, it's pretty special for the Flying Jets. Yeah, and, you know, they're going to play a team, like you said, Indianapolis Lutheran, very good. They've only, give, let, they've only given up seven points in the tournament, so they've got a very formidable defense. It'll be, I think, a nip and tuck game like it was last year. The best thing about it is we're going to have both matchups on 1380 The Fan, the Carroll game on Friday at uh, 7 uh, versus Center Grove, and then the 11 o'clock 1A game, Adam Central versus Indianapolis Lutheran. There you go. So uh, double dose this, this weekend. So anyway, well, great showing by all of our teams. I think what uh, if you want, Coach uh, – uh, we can go ahead and see about getting uh, Coach Doug Dynan in here from the Carroll Chargers. Uh, we're going to welcome him in. Uh, his Carroll Chargers, like we said at the top of the show, advancing to the state finals for the first time in school history. First of all, Coach, thanks for joining us, and, and congratulations on making it to state and, the, and winning the semi-state championship. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a great opportunity, great opportunity for our kids, our, our program, and our community. Um, to be able to represent Fort Wayne in the state championship game. Sure. Uh, talk about Friday night, uh, that feeling for those kids. They work so hard um, to, to get to this point and to continue on doing it at home. Obviously, the circumstances around this season with, with the loss of Owen in the offseason and really that playing for him, the 13 weeks, the 13 games, the 13 wins, just that whole night. I mean, what was that like on the sidelines for, for your team and your coaching staff? Well, it's a, it's a very special feeling. I'll tell you what, it's a, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta believe and you gotta, you gotta think that uh, there's a higher power that's, that's assisting a little bit, you know, and he's wearing number 13 up there. Yeah. So, but that's a, you know, that's what our kids believe and, and that's the way that they play and there's, there's no quit. Um, their resolve is tremendous. Um, their commitment to each other is is very high. 
Um, and, and that's what we're asking. And, and, and they're doing a tremendous job on a daily basis, you know, practicing, you know, committing to each other, you know, working extremely hard and, and, and here we are. So, you know, we're, we're happy to be here. We're, we're joyous and we're going to celebrate for a little bit, but the work starts again tomorrow and, and we're going to work to uh, win the state championship. Hey, Doug, Shannon here, you know, let's talk a little bit about your defense. I mean, we've had this conversation before, uh, what, what a game your kids played. They were relentless all night long. And, you know, Oduma had a really good game. Lance Patsetsky talk about just what they were up against in a Hamilton Southeastern team. That was a very formidable foe running the football, but you guys really took them out of their run game and they just kind of stayed stubborn and tried to keep pounding at it. At you. Yeah. Yeah. They are. First of all, Hamilton Southeastern is a very good football program mm-hmm. and they're, they're ranked. They were ranked number one for a reason, you know, and they, they play in a very difficult conference and events against very good opponents. And, and they've run the ball extremely well all year long, <clears throat> but our, our guys, you know, and there, there was a couple of times where we bent and the quarterback had a big run on a keeper around the edge where we lost contain and, and lost low responsibility. But overall, <clears throat> our kids did not, and they did not break. Um, they, they played assignment football. They played very physical up front. And you mentioned some names. You know, Ashton pasetsky has been tremendous all year long. Um, Solomon was very, very good. Braden Steely was, was mm-hmm. outstanding on both sides of the ball. He actually led the team in tackles and led the team in rushing as well and and touchdowns that he had. So, you know, it's it's a team game. It's a team effort. And, you know, consequently, you know, our our team gets to continue to play because they're all playing together. Yeah, I you know, before the game, when we were talking about some of the keys of the game, one thing that I said that I felt you guys had to do was – find ways in the special teams to to get an extra possession, however that may be. And Michael Dickerman answers the call, gets the block punt. Uh, talk about his play, because he ended up having a big interception there in the second half. This, they started their, you know, they started with the ball in the second half after getting a late touchdown where they kind of threw it up to the Hamilton kid. Uh, talk about his play and those two key plays, because – uh, that in some respects was the key two key plays in that ball game. Well, first, first of all, Donovan Ham- Hamilton is a is a very 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 good football player. <laughs> yes, and, he is. And then they they put him in a situation to where you know he went up and got the ball, and you know you, you're hoping that kids can knock it down, and 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 he made a tremendous play at the end of the half, um, and giving them some momentum going in. Of course, mm-hmm. they did not convert on the two point conversion. Um, not right. to not to anything that we did. They kind of just dropped the pass. But uh, <clears throat> but in the second half, I thought that our kids played at a, at a higher level again in the second half. And and Michael Dierkman um, had two tremendous plays. You know the block punt. You know which was recovered by Jorge, and the interception which was played tremendously. And and we're we're glad that you know Michael rejoined us. You know he took a, a year off and didn't play last year and back with us. And he's a tremendous athlete, a very good football player, very good baseball player, mm-hmm. and 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 we love him to be in the program. And and you know his commitment to everybody is showing by his play on Friday night. 
no question. And, you know, you lost Starks early on, and I guess the first question is, is he okay? I know he didn't come back in the game, but. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll evaluate him, you know, and, okay. and he saw he saw our trainers and he saw medical staff and, and nothing seemed alarming, um, you know, but there, there was – there was some question, you know, whether or not he was knocked out or not knocked out. But there, there's mm-hmm. no sense to to bring a kid back in the game you know, if they're in that situation. And 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 so, you know, Nate didn't play the remainder of the game, but uh, he saw he saw medical staff on Saturday okay. and, Good. you know, and, and again over this weekend. So, you know, we'll we'll reevaluate where he's at the beginning of the week. And, uh, you know, we think that he's going to be cleared to go. Good. I, you know, it was a hard hitting game. I mean, uh, Hamilton Southeastern lost a couple of kids. Uh, one of their best D linemen was knocked out as well in that first half. Offensively speaking, I get you talked about Steely's performance and, you know, what he lends to you running the football because he's just such, I mean, he's a football player. I mean, let's just face it. Yep. The kid is a football player. Um, he did a lot of great things. You know, the other kid that I think you, that you guys have gotten a, a, a lot out of this year is Hill. You're oh, tight, yeah. tight in. Here's a kid that uh, on that first play, so instinctive on what he did there and Jimmy Sullivan finding him on the sideline. Talk a little bit about his play for you throughout the year, but he's become a pretty reliable yeah. uh, weapon for you offensively. Yeah, Jaden. Jaden's a tremendous kid. First of all, he has a you know, great spirit. Um, he he works extremely hard. He's got re- great relationships with others, and and he has tremendous hands. Tremendous hands, and he's so strong in holding the football. Um, the sixty-nine yard catch that he made was was kind of a busted play. I mean, right? The, you know, the routes didn't go as as you anticipated right from the start. Um, we were looking for a little whip route into the boundary on the backside of it. And Jimmy came back and, and found him into the flat and, and he ended up, you know, running all the way down to the two. Now we were hoping he would have got in because we had to effort a little bit to get into the end zone after that point, but, uh, yeah. but a tremendous kid, he really is. And, yeah. and, you know, and, and, you know, he was very, you know, Jaden was very, very close with Owen and, uh, mm. you know, always continually, continually misses, you know, and mourns his, his, his passing. Um, but Jaden is, is, is an outstanding football player, and he's going to have to be big for us on Friday. Sure. Coach, uh, you've been to State before when you were a coordinator at Snyder and on that staff. As far as the preparations for these kids and, and telling the message this week with all the extra stuff that goes along with, going to the state finals as far as you know that part of the schedule and things like that the emphasis on and getting through that what, what do you what do you tell your players who have you know taking all this in you got a thanksgiving this week of game friday night first time at state playing at lucas oil stadium that part of it from your experience what you can convey to them as far as what they're going to expect and, and how you guys work together to, to get through that process as a team. Well, there is a, a lot that goes on this week. I mean, there's a, there's a lot for the coaches. There's a lot for the administration. You know, there's a lot of things that you got to do that are behind the scenes in preparation for Friday. What, what we need to do with our kids to keep things as routine as we can, we got to keep them in, a practice schedule, you know, that is normal and they're accustomed to, 
as much as possible, you know, and, and add into that chaos that you're going to take a trip in midweek, you know, go down to Indianapolis and practice. Um, you've got Thanksgiving on Thursday. Um, we'll have, we'll have a practice on Thursday and, and we'll have a little Thanksgiving dinner together. Um, and then, and then you have the chaos of, of the travel and, and, you know, traveling two hours can always be, you know, a little, you know, tiresome can be a little weary on, on players and everything. And so all, all of those plans, you know, have to be made so that, you know, they are routine. Um, our kids have traveled very well up to this point and we've got to keep things as routine as accustomed as, as what they are accustomed to. Hey, Doug, will you guys, uh, going down there for a practice anytime this week? Or yeah, I, I, we have a meeting down in Indianapolis tomorrow. Um, I'm anticipating that practice being on Wednesday. I don't know the exact time, but, uh, yeah, we will, we will go down there. And I, I think that that's necessary, you know, whether or not you get anything out of the practice. I mean, you, you've got to get the kids in underneath the lights, you know, and into the facility so that they're, they're not all struck by the, by the situation in the facility when they walk into it on Friday. And so, there has to be a little bit of, you know, measure the height of the rim, you know, as they did in Hoosiers, you know. And so it's <laughs> it's it's still a football field and we're going to play against a high school team down there. And so we can't forget those facts. Yeah, I remember when I was at Ball State, we we had Thanksgiving games uh, and I know how that kind of you know, throws a curveball, but the best thing you said there is the Thanksgiving meal. I think that's what I remember the most of with the kids and stuff and how special that is, um, knowing that uh, you get one more shot Friday night and you get to take on a pretty good powerhouse in Center Grove. What what can you tell us a little bit about Center Grove uh, since you've had a chance to maybe well, peek at them here and there? You know, if, if – if you're living in Indiana and you don't understand who Center Grove is, you're not paying attention to high school football. I mean, they're, you know, they're two-time defending state champion. You know, they've they've won. You know, in the in the past two years, they were 28 and 0, and they're they're a very 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 good football team. Uh, Coach Moore does a tremendous job in, in you know building their program, you know, from youth league all the way up, and and their kids play hard. They do. I mean, that is their. That is their mantra, that they play hard, they play physical, they play fast. Um, they've got, got a very good running back. You know, obviously they, they want to run the ball. Um, you know, they've got a defense that, that flies to the football. Linebackers are very good. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, it sounds cliched, but every week it boils down to the same thing. You know, can our defensive line play? You know, can our, can our linebackers can't play? Can we, can we stop the run? Can we play physical up front? If we can do those things on defense and we got a chance, you know, can we take care of the football on the offensive side? You know, can we blend the the run and the pass? I mean, it's, it's nice. We don't have to worry about weather conditions. You know, you don't have to worry about the temperature. You don't have to worry about the cold ball. You don't have to worry about the wind. And so, you know, we're confident that we're going to be able to throw it around a little bit. And, uh, you know, if we can do that and run it at the same time, then, then who knows? Yeah, that's the the you no know, the one thing is that uh, you were talking about their running game, the Coil Kid. He's almost got two thousand yards on the year, but they also got a pretty darn good quarterback there too. I believe it's is Cherry. I think is the kid the kid's yep. name that's yep. a quarterback. Yep. Um, he can he can do some damage as well because he's got the ability to throw it pretty good too, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, they're they're very balanced. I mean, they're mm -hmm. a very good team without question. 
Um, you know, and again, in, in their conference, they're playing against, you know, very tough competition week in and week out. And, you know, for even though that they have a couple losses, you know, one of them came out from, from Trinity playing out of state. And so, I mean, they've, they've been dominant within, you know, all their games that they played in the conference. And you know, it's, it's a challenge without question. I mean, they're the, the best football team in Indiana and, you know, for us to play at a high level, for us to be able to compete against them, you know, we've got to play against those teams. And that's why, you know, starting next year, we've added, you know, Hamilton Southeastern, we've added Warren Central. And, mm -hmm. and after that one year, then we've added Center Grove because, you know, those are the teams that if we're going to compete at a high level, we've got to play against. And so we get a little test of that already. We had a test Friday and we get another test this next week. You're on. You're on mute there, dude. <laughs> Sorry about that, uh, Coach. Reflecting on this season, you know, I know there's one more game to be played, and obviously you want to you want to host the the hoist the big state title trophy. But this season, what has it meant for you personally as a coach? Looking back at this this run that this team has had, and really everything that you guys have gone through. Uh, really since this summer and, and even before that, I'm sure just to, to get here, the, the off season and all of that, mm -hmm. uh, your team and, and this team this year, what will you remember about this group? The, this, this team epitomizes all the characteristics that you want uh, high school athletes to, to embody. It really is. I mean, we talk about our core values all the time. We talk about hard work. We talk about investing in the lives of each other. We talk about competitive excellence and belief. And, and every day, you know, our kids, you know, they live by those standards. Um, they buy into each other all the time. They play extremely hard. Uh, they believe, you know, they believe in their mission. Um, they believe in the passion that they have to play for somebody else. Um, they're, they're not playing for themselves. They're playing for others. And, and they believe in the fact that, you know, through hard work that you've got an opportunity to be successful. And, and that's what we want. That's what we want for our kids on the field, in the classroom and in the community to to work hard, to be great student athletes and, and to, to believe in each other's and to take care of each other all the time. Well, Coach, we appreciate you coming on this week. And as you guys get ready for the state finals this weekend, a big matchup uh, in Class 6A with Center Grove, like we mentioned. Uh, it plays out on 5 o'clock – or, I'm sorry, 7 o'clock on Saturday, uh, Friday night uh, down at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, and just a great opportunity for you and your program to go down there first time ever. I know the excitement and the buzz is, is great amongst the fan. I think they're planning another orange out in the crowd. Are. Uh, are they doing that coach this year, uh, again are. for the state yep. finals? Did I see yep. that? They've already, they've already sold, uh, like over 1200 t-shirts, you know, in, in a two day period. So, so yeah, yeah. there's, there's going to be an orange out, you know, orange out for Owen. Um, so, I mean, there's. Find the Twitter link, um, go buy the T-shirts on, on Twitter, and, uh, and join us. Come join us on Friday night. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, yeah we're going to be down here, Coach. I'm, I'm yep. not going to miss it. So uh, I know that uh, everybody in the Fort Wayne area and Northeast Indiana is rooting for you guys. And best of luck. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and more importantly, the whole football team and the Carroll faithful. Yep, thank you very much. You guys do a tremendous job, and uh, 
thanks for supporting us all the way. You got all it. Right. Yep. All right. That was Coach Doug Dynan from the Carroll Chargers joining us on a pond for the review. And Coach, uh, you know, it, it, when you get Coach Dynan on, you know, he he's in his mind, you know, he knows what he wants to see from his football team. And really, you know, they've answered that all year long and here they are. And, and they are up against a formidable foe in central center Grove. Uh, and, and what they were able to do to go to semi-state and avenge that loss to a team like Indianapolis cathedral, like they did, they, you know, in route to getting to that. Right. Uh, I, this is an impressive team in central Grove, center Grove. And, you know, but to Carroll's credit, they have become an impressive team, and uh, it's going to be a, a big matchup on Friday night at 7 o'clock down at Lucas Oil, and I know you guys will be down there. So it's exciting for you guys to go down to Indianapolis and to be able to, to call that game on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Yeah, and they, you know, I think Doug alluded to it when we first had him on when the playoffs started that, you know, there was going to be a rough road for them to get there. You know, they had to go to Penn get that one Lafayette, Jeff, get down by 20, come back and win that one. Then bring in the number one state team, number one ranked team in six a, and they're, and they're on their home field and get that win. So they're battle tested. That's for sure. And I, their kids believe. So, um, well, hopefully they can uh, get one more win and, 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 and crown this off the way they want to crown it off. Absolutely. So good luck to the Carroll chargers, uh, this weekend, uh, as they head down there and, uh, that's great. And, you know, coach, we talk a lot about the talent in Northeast Indiana talent on Carroll, the talent across the region. And, 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 you know, one of the nice things about following high school football is seeing all the individual players and seeing what's next for them and the recruiting trail that they're on. And, you know, we, at this point, we're going to bring in our next guest and, uh, he was on us on the air with us on our first show. And now he's back with us uh, as we head into the Indiana state finals, Alan true joining us from 24 seven sports and Alan, first of all, glad to be back with you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So uh, talk about, you know, in Indiana, the state finals We're we're here at this weekend and I don't know where other States are necessarily. I know it, it kind of scattered out, but the significance, obviously, for, for state championships and deep runs, the opportunities for players to get more eyes on them as part of that recruiting process. I, just talk about how valuable being in those circumstances are for, for a guy to, to, to be on their first uh, – Jimmy Sullivan, for instance, the quarterback at Carroll, to lead them to a state championship. I mean, that's – state championship game that that's got to be pretty great for a, a resume builder in the recruiting aspect of things yeah i think first and foremost too it just gives you another few games of tape to put on your highlight tape so the guys where you know maybe your high school doesn't make uh the, a playoff run you you get you finish your tape in the regular season so some of those guys are able to send that tape out earlier but i think you want the few extra games to do that these games are, are well watched i know the colleges pay attention to them uh, just had a situation kind of similar to Jimmy in the state of Iowa. They started playing their state title games um, this week, and and a young quarterback led his team to a state title. And the following day, Iowa State offered him a scholarship, his first uh, Power Five scholarship. So 
you know, these schools are paying attention. So that could happen for a kid like Jimmy Sullivan. So I, I do think that colleges do their best to pay attention during the year. Um, they're so busy. They're scattered. They're all over the place. These yeah. games take place. They're on TV. They're they're streamed and they, and they have significance. So I do think that uh, having those eyes on you this time of year, um, I, I do think you want to be in these situations. Hey, Alan, Shannon Griffith here. Thanks again for coming on. You know, let's uh, let's talk a little bit, maybe get some updates on some uh, of kids that have some power five offers here in Northeast Indiana, you know, Mylon Graham from New Haven. He's got a slew of them. I, you know, he had a really good, good year, of course, being a target now because of his talent, not always, you know, not always the easiest, but I, you know, I've been reading that he looks like his destination may be with the Buckeyes at Ohio state. What are you hearing about him and, and his recruitment? Yeah, I do think Ohio State is one of the favorites right now. If not the favorite, if you look at our site on 24-7 Sports, the um, expert predictions so far. I haven't put one in yet, but the other ones favor <laughs> Ohio State. Um, he did camp there in the summer, so he's got a chance to work with their staff and kind of get a feel for them. And then he's returned for a game in the fall. And uh, it's really hard to fault any kid to go going to Ohio State right now, but especially a wide receiver. If you're a wide receiver and you see what they're doing year after year, uh, and, and they always seem to be able to, you know, they are stockpiled and it doesn't really seem to hurt them as far as reps and they spread the football around and they, and they give everybody an opportunity. And so it's really hard to not want to go there and play for Ryan Day and Brian Hartline. Uh, they've had some guys from the area go up there before Austin Mack is the first wide receiver that comes to mind when I think uh, that part of the state and the Buckeyes and, and Mylon Graham may follow him, even though he's, he's taking some visits to some other schools. So he's doing his diligence, but it does sound like Ohio State has the inside track. Yeah, he's got, I mean, he's a phenomenal route runner, I think. And then he's got the top end speed as well for a kid of his size because that's one thing you can't coach. You can't coach speed and you can't coach size. And I think he's got all the tools to be a big-time receiver at the next level. The other young man is from Northside High School, uh, you know, Tay, Tay Johnson, Um it would seem that he's had a lot of game day visits to Notre Dame that I've, that I've seen online, but some of the predictions are seeing him maybe end up as a boilermaker. Yeah. He's also been uh, to Purdue and um, both him and Milan have taken visits to Purdue and they're, they're kind of quietly, I think on the national radar having a good season this year. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that the boilers have put themselves in position, but as you mentioned, Notre Dame has had him on campus several times. And I do think that that's for, those, for some of these kids during the season, they take these closer visits because it's just easier to get there. Right. And I think one team now with them being able to take earlier officials, a kid like Bronte will ha really have a chance to, if he wants to take some official visits to some other places in the spring, if he chooses to do so. So that, that will allow him to get out a little bit. I know Auburn came in and offered him and he's got some looks from some schools further away. So we'll see if he has an opportunity to get there. Interesting thing on him. I was just talking to some of our analysts and, and some schools are kind of kicking the tires on him as a defensive guy, which I can see that a little bit. Mm -hmm. You have his length and basketball background and athleticism. And I think uh, you, you put yourself in position to be a real commodity when it comes to the next level beyond college, because the NFL is always looking for length and athleticism at defensive back. So that's become a new wrinkle in his recruitment, maybe being looked at on both sides of the football. Yeah. I, you know, I could see that. I, I think he could be a really good corner 
because he's got that ability to be a guy that can go play one-on-one and, and be a guy in space. Uh, but he also could be a guy that plays safety as well and come down to play the run. So, you know, that'll be the question. What does he want to receive the ball or does he want to play, <laughs> go hit somebody with the ball? But, uh, those two kids by far are, you know, the top talent in the Northeast Indiana. And we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, Nick Thompson, who's committed to Toledo and Brady Boylan, the defensive lineman out of Norwell is uh, headed to Bowling Green. Um, the Lambert, the running back, I'm not sure what his scenario is yeah. at Northside, but that kid, uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, he could be a steal for somebody because he is somebody that really came on as the year went on and really, uh, complimented their offense there at Northside. So I don't know, is anything, have you heard anything about, uh, Lambert, the kid, the running back from Northside, as far as recruiting is concerned? You know, pretty quiet on the recruiting trail for him right now. But I think with the season happening, we'll see if anything picks up for him late now. It's a little bit tough for kids like that these days with the portal. But I yeah. do think that on, on the flip side, sometimes if you wait long enough and now with the early signing period, everybody signs in December. Sometimes if you're still hanging around in January after having right. a good season, I've seen guys like that benefit. And so he he's done everything he can do up to this point, obviously, as you mentioned. Well, the biggest thing that we look at now, because this is the one thing about recruiting that's really changed, is um, the 23 class is pretty much done when you think about it. And now we're looking at schools are looking at the 24s and 25s. You know, uh, what about some kids in the Fort Wayne area on the 24 radar? Yeah, I mentioned uh, Jordan King from Fort Wayne North. He's got a couple offers, now a couple MAC offers. Kind of a, a I mean, a big-bodied kid. Uh, a little bit, I, I think, still on the raw developmental side, but has all the physical tools. Um, shows the power and the strength at his size. You see him playing left tackle, but I think he could play a couple of different spots on the offensive line. So I think it's always good to to get a few offers on the board. He's got those, and and we'll probably get to some junior days. May have to get to some camps at some Power Five programs to keep those coming in. But certainly, when you look at juniors in the in the Fort Wayne area that aren't quite at the offer list of a Mylon Graham or Bronte Johnson yet, but could could eventually pick up some steam. I think just because of this kid's physical attributes and upside. He's one of them that, that I think first comes to mind for me. Um, you brought a couple of names to my attention, actually. And one of the ones that really stood out and, and it's topical after you just had coach on was Justin Anderson from Carroll. Yeah. Um, he, he really looks to me like I, I'm surprised that he's been to a couple Mac schools on visits and camps. And I'm kind of surprised they haven't pulled the trigger on him. He fits the new kind of the new age hybrid linebacker. I see him playing over the slot a lot. He's got background as a wide receiver which a lot of schools just talked to a bunch of coaches that said we like to see our linebackers play on both sides of the ball and at the high school level to show their athleticism so he checks a lot of boxes would not shock me to see that kid pick up an offer here in the next couple months and then sort of see it snowball from there yeah if you guys want to take a look at a defense take a look at carol's because they've got i mean Anderson, yes, that kid is a ball player. And I'm surprised because, you know, he's got the length. He's got the, you know, the speed, east, west, north, south. He can do it all. Uh, you know, there's another kid there by the name of Oduma who's also a pretty good linebacker. But I agree with you on Anderson. That's a kid that uh, I think some schools should definitely take a good hard look at because I think he's going to be a guy 
get something is going to be they're going to be very happy they got him because I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the years to come. What about um let's talk a little bit about the class of 25. You know, these are sophomores now. I mean, this I mean, people are looking at, probably thinking, well, why are we talking about a kid that's 2 years away? The the thing about it is is that that's where the recruiting process is in, in a lot of sense, a lot of ways in these days and times. It, yeah, it is. And, and colleges will turn that page pretty quick now. Um, like I said, they, they will sign most of their class. If you're a division one school, if you're a power five program. You're almost certainly signing 99.9, if not a hundred percent of your class in December. And then from there, you're turning the page to 24 and 25. And I think recruiting has gotten so much more competitive now. And I think the way that these kids view it, uh, the early interest, and, and they remember it a certain way. So you get in early on a kid, I think it's extremely important. So that early identification, I think, is key. We talked uh, a little bit about Jim Sullivan earlier from Carroll. I think he's definitely one of the 25s in the area to watch. Uh, obviously putting together an outstanding season, leading his team uh, deep into the playoffs on the on the brink of a state title here. And then he's got some of the prerequisite tools, right? Six foot three. Um, still going to fill in a little bit more over the next couple of years, I think, has, has really shown, I think, a lot of maturity this year in addition to some of the requisite ARB talent. So we'll see what happens with him. It's hard to, you know, no no offers yet. Um, hard to Sometimes these quarterbacks, it's hard to pin down exactly where they're going to be when they're sophomores. But I think as he, we get into the offseason, see him throw more as he gets to schools and throws for some colleges, get a better sense of where he's going to end up. But he's certainly, no doubt, like a guy you have to recruit if you're the uh, division one and big 10 schools right now. Yeah. He's uh, you know, my evaluation of Jimmy is uh, he's, he's mature beyond his years uh, mechanically sound uh, football sense, pocket sense, very, very good. Um, you know, size wise, like you said, he checks that box. You know, I think the thing about quarterbacks nowadays especially high school kids. And you brought up the portal earlier that kind of hurts quarterbacks in the recruiting phase now, because, you know, the old days you take one, you know, one, maybe two, in some cases you had to take a third one and make sure he was an athlete that could play other positions. Now um, with the portal uh, it's harder for high school quarterbacks to, you know, get offers uh, especially if teams are looking for that immediate help. Yeah, part of me wonders if there will be a little bit of a shelf life to that in the portal in general. Yeah. I am already starting to hear more schools think that the portal doesn't produce the results that they have expected. And so will you it turn back to high school recruiting if enough guys come to the front? I don't know that, especially at quarterback. I think having a guy in your system for four or five years at a college is, is very valuable. And so these schools are able to go into the portal when they need immediate help. But I think if you're trying to scramble every year to pull a starter out of the portal and he's only in your program for one or two years. I, I think in the future, it's possible that schools will um, find that to not be as, as winning of a strategy and want to be able to develop a guy uh, for several years within their system. And so that's where I think they, they're still going to want to recruit guys early, like, like Jimmy and really get to know them and really get to build a relationship with those guys. Last kid here, uh, Stratton Fuller, a kid from my area here in Columbia city kind of came on the scene uh, had a really good sophomore year. Uh, what's what are you hearing about him or evaluations of him? So it's funny he came all the way. Um, actually, we 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 did a middle school camp um, 
in Elkhart. And he came to that and was kind of an unassuming looking kid, especially at that time being in middle school. But he kept making all these plays, like some spectacular highlight reel plays. And he's still doing that. And I think that um, you talk about kind of the changes in the way schools recruit quarterbacks well receivers certainly now I think that the position is one where you have to be able to create separation you have to be able to play in space every school is looking for a slot guy that can uh that can make some things happen just like what he's doing here um and and creating separation it used to be I grew up in the era where everyone was looking for for the next Michael Irvin and then Randy Moss I think that (laughs) position has has changed definitely Uh, and I've talked to some colleges about this where you don't necessarily just look for the jump ball guys anymore. This kid can run the whole route tree. He's quick. And I think that uh, he's going to be, he's going to have an extremely productive high school career. So I think he's going to definitely get a lot of interest on the next level. He's going to be the kind of guy too, that goes to camps and I think tears it up just because he's going to be tough to stick with in that one-on-one shorts and t-shirts kind of situation. Yeah. He's the football player. I mean, he, he plays with a, with a high motor, I would say, um, you know, Jared Murphy was the last kid that came out of Columbia City High School, uh, went to Miami of Ohio, probably not as quick as as Murph was. But, I, you know, he's got the a little bit more height on him uh, in that respects. But anybody else in the Indiana that maybe this northern part of Indiana that we should keep our eyes on? Yeah, the Northwest corner kind of has uh, some good players coming up the pipe in the 24 class. You got Patrick Clax, the wide receiver at Andrean. You get a chance to see him in the state title game this weekend. He's sitting on several offers, including a couple at the Power 5 level. I know Pitt offered Northern Illinois. Actually just offered him this week. Jaden Hart at Michigan City, uh, running back that can do a lot of different things. He's got uh, quite a few early offers. Iowa State came in and offered him, and um, he's got interest from several other programs. Nitro Tuggle uh, is a kid at uh, Northwood, and, I, and he's really interesting, kind of a 6'3", lengthy receiver. I think uh, schools are starting to find out about him. Um, you know, Mylon Bronte get a lot of the headlines. This kid, though, I think he has a chance to to play himself into some Power 5 opportunities, has some MAC offers already, but he's another one to watch. And so I think the, the whole North, really, when you go all the way over from that um, – kind of Merrillville area all the way over to you guys in Fort Wayne. It's a pretty good group of kids coming up in the 24 and 25 class here, and even a couple of 26s that made some varsity impacts this year. Well, dude, you got any questions since I kind of monopolized? <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. Hey, that the coach is definitely the recruiting a- a- effort a- aspect of it. But uh, no, I, I think, and, and for somebody like Stratton Fuller too, and maybe you can touch on this, a team that, Nobody has, I mean, Columbia City has a great year, so they get a little bit more exposure, even in the Fort Wayne area. That's got to be nice for those kids because then on top of it, a lot of those other kids that are on the team might get some looks from other places that, you know, that will help them along the way too. And how about playing both ways? We talked about it a little bit with Tay Johnson, but Stratton Fuller, another kid that plays both ways, that just opens his portfolio up a little bit more. Huge. And I, and I bet if you look at if we do analysis every year after the NFL draft and we look at the All-American teams and just a high number of kids who play both ways. Like if you are going to be that level of college player, usually you play both ways in high school. So I think it helps you. We talked about the extra tape of being able to play into deep into the playoffs. Also, the extra tape of playing both sides of the football, I think, is extremely important. So, you know, especially if you're a DB and maybe they don't throw your way to get some receiver reps. Or if you're a kid like Stratton who catches the football and maybe you can show some physicality and some coverage skills on defense. 
I think that's important. And I think we talked about this a little bit um, the last time I was on. Colleges are going to find you, but I, I do think that it's helped that that area has produced some good football players that didn't go to like the major high schools. Like when I first started doing this job, you heard about Dwanger a lot. Um, you heard about Snyder a lot, but you've had guys come out of Leo. You've had guys come out of Columbia city. You had, you know, Dwayne Eskridge off the beaten path. And so now I think colleges know to really comb that area. You know, there've been guys at Carroll, there've been guys in Norway. We, we can go on and on all right. All of those schools have produced somebody over the last, you know, five to 10 years. And so I think colleges are more likely to kind of turn over every stone in that area now. Excellent. And then next is, you know, as far as for people at home wondering the, the point of where those verbal commitments pinned to paper, what's that schedule like as we head into the winter and to, into the spring as far as when people can do what? Yeah, so it gets a little bit, uh, it gets a very busy for guys like me in the next month. because <laughs> December 21st is the early signing period, and that's when the seniors can first sign. You can wait until February, the traditional signing day. But like I said, most kids, especially at the Division One into the Power Five level, will sign on December 21st. Between now and then, those, those weekends in December, kids can take official visits. And as coaching changes happen, you may see some guys who are committed, look some other places. We call this flip season because kids start looking around, um, especially based on the coaching changes. If you still have official visits in your back pocket, you can take them those first few weekends of December. So we track all that. Uh, and then we go into January where if you're left on the board, you still have an opportunity to get to that early sign or that next signing day in February. And even if you don't sign, that's just the first day you can sign. Right. Those kids can still find homes later on. But then after February, you really start to turn the page into the next couple seasons. Coaches will get kids up for spring practices, um, for spring games, definitely. And then the, the college coaches will hit the road for the spring evaluation period where they can come in and uh, evaluate them, you know, working out in the school and, and whatnot, depending on the different rules of the different states. But then it gets so then it gets really serious into the 24 and 25 class. And that leads right into summer camp season where those guys can get on a college campus and, and work out directly with the staffs. Yeah. And Alan, any indication that the transfer portal will be any uh, less crazy this year or, or what, how do you think that's going to shake out? Cause that's always a big component when you're talking scholarship allotments. Yeah, I think it's still going to be what it has been. Um, and it's going to be a lot like last year. So still very busy, still a lot of guys in the portal, still a lot of schools pulling guys out of the portal. I think still a lot of guys getting stuck in the portal too. So I think any, any kind of change in activity level of the portal is going to be a process of the, over the next couple of years. And it'll also be a case study uh, year by year of, you know, is this working out for us? I, I, like I said, I know some schools are already starting to reconsider how much they want to go into the portal, but I think it'll take a couple of years for colleges to really have the data and the case studies to, to make those decisions. Certainly. Well, Alan, we appreciate you coming on and joining us uh, once again to kind of, Give us an update on the recruiting trail for so many players across Northeast Indiana and really into the state of Indiana as, as this is a busy time of year as season winds up and, and signing period approaches. And, and uh, before you know it, spring ball comes and <laughs> it's just a continual cycle. But Alan True joining us from 247 Sports upon further review. Alan, thanks so much for joining us. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, same to both of you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Alan. Right. Thanks so much. Well, Coach, that was pretty insightful. I mean, I think that's a great part of our area is that, you know, we come on here every week and talk the X's and O's behind um, what we see on the field. But 
for so many players in Northeast Indiana and really across the state, there are so many more opportunities out there that lie in front of them. When you thought talk of guys like Mylon Graham and mm-hmm. Tate Johnson and Jimmy Sullivan getting it and Stratton Fuller kind of coming out of nowhere this year, it's going to be great to see what kind of happens and unfolds with a lot of these guys across the area. Yeah. And you know, I always tell people in recruiting, be cautious. It's early. Um, what may be true today may be absolutely the opposite tomorrow. Uh, there's no crystal ball on who's going to get offered, who's not going to get offered. I'm sure. Yeah. We all have our no doubters. I mean, that's pretty simple when you talk about those elite players, but um I always told kids this, if you have a burning desire to play college football, there will be a place for you. That doesn't always mean that it's going to be the the Michigans or the Ohio States or whatever, because maybe you don't have the talent for that level, but there's a home for you to play college football if you so choose to do so. And um, I, I get it. Kids want to play at the highest level possible, but not everybody's going to get a, a, a full ride scholarship. I think it's less than 2% out of all the high school kids, seniors that, that get full ride scholarships onto a four year institution. So uh, the younger kids, they're in the process. Now it's going to be a very up and down process. It's not going to be a straight line, smooth sailing um, because you just don't know when that opportunity is going to come or when a scholarship offer is going to come. Sure. And it'll be interesting to see, uh, as, as, as those times get closer and, and we've definitely seen a lot of talent around our area this year. All right, coach. Well, we've kind of come to that point where we're getting towards the end of the show and want to talk a little bit about the state finals, kind of get some final thoughts on, on the six games, obviously, uh, of the six, two of them featured teams from our area. Um, and we obviously had coach dining on a little bit earlier, but we could start with the big boys here. Uh, class 6A on Friday night at 7 o'clock at Lucas Oil. The Carroll Chargers, number five, go 13 and 0. They ho- they play against Center Grove, the uh, two-time defending state champions in Class 6A. Uh, they come in off the semi-state win over Indianapolis Cathedral, a win that they avenged their loss in the regular season against the Irish of Cathedral. Um, and coach, it's it's going to be another tough task for Carroll, but all season long, really, especially in these playoffs, they've proven that uh, they can play with the big boys. You know, they, the defense came up big against Lafayette, Jeff, Uh, the defense came up again in the upset of number one, Hamilton Southeastern. And now they look to do it again and against a very good center Grove team that like coach Dinan said, if you don't aren't familiar with you, you need to know their name now. Well, right. And you know, the two, the, the thing that, that, always uh, pops up at this time of the year when you talk about Indianapolis area teams, they have a distinct advantage because they it's like they're going across town to play a game like they do during the regular season. You know, Adam Central and uh, Carroll will all have to take that bus trip down to a Lucas Oil. Now, Carroll, without, you know, not having to play a 7 o'clock until a 7 o'clock game, that gives them a little time where they can take their time going down. They don't have to be in a rush and stuff, but you have an 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday morning, like Adam central does against the Indianapolis Lutheran team. That's diff. I mean, that's a little bit different now. And that's, you know, in some cases a disadvantage unless they would go down and spend the night in a hotel somewhere, but 
that's highly doubtful. So, um, but yeah, Carroll's going to have to have the same thing that they had happen against Templeton Southeastern. They're going to have to find ways to gain possessions and get points on off those possessions that they get, you know, whether it's an interception, you return for six points, another block punt, a block kick, a kickoff return for a touchdown. Those are the type of things, but being that it's inside, uh, Carroll will have their full offense at their disposal. So look for the Hershbergers and Rudolphs and Hills and Hafners to be a factor in this game. And if Starks comes back and those type of things. So a little bit more uh, similar to what they're used to by playing in an indoor setting. Yeah. Fourth straight state finals appearance for Center Grove. Yeah. Uh, they've won the last two. And then, uh, of course, this is the fourth one, but uh, in 2020, they are, well, no, 2019, I'm sorry, they lost to Carmel 20 to 17. So this is a team, semi state in 18, uh, got to regionals, got to state in 16 and lost. So they have been there a number of times, especially in the last five years. Carroll making their first trip to the state finals. In 5A, we have uh, Whiteland number, uh, Whiteland Warriors versus the Valparaiso. Uh, both teams are on there. My graphics wrong, but Valparaiso uh, versus Whiteland. Uh, Valpo with the big double overtime loss to our win over Snyder. Single overtime loss, one point win in overtime. The touchdown and the two point conversion. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this should be a fun one. Valpo, a team that's that's been there quite a bit. Whiteland, kind of a new team that's that's uh, a new kid on the block, but. A number two in the class 5A polls, a great year all season long. Uh, this could be a fun game down there as well on, on Friday or Saturday night at 7. Hey, just a cool tip here. Um, I have two former players that played for me that are actually coaching in the state finals. Robbie McCurr at uh, Carroll, who's coaching, I believe, their offense and defensive lines. And then Zach Rudolph, who's down at um, Whiteland coaching their defense so those two guys get a chance to play for uh state titles so good luck to them but whiteland's a good team i think they've had one of those years where um they've been aiming for this moment uh valpo is always a good team that you always have to respect and like you said they're pretty big they're big physical team so that's that game will be a physical game because both teams like to run the football and they both are defenses are really tough, tough defenses. So that'll be another good ball game. Yeah. Whiteland comes in never winning a semi-state. They got their regional win first regional this year since 99. And now they're on to state. So kind of the new kid on the block there. Yeah. Uh, moving on real quick in four a new Prairie faces East central, uh, two good teams, uh, new Prairie in, in the South Bend area. Uh, they've had a tremendous year. Uh, they'll come against East Central, uh, uh, another great team that um, has made it down there in Class 4A. We didn't have any real 4A teams beyond uh, semi or sectional. They got the regional in Columbia City, but they, mm -hmm. of course, lost. So uh, that's shaped out there as well. In 3A, Saturday, 3 o'clock, Indianapolis Bishop Chatard versus Lawrenceburg. Uh, two powerhouse programs, but Chatard's been around a long time. Lawrenceburg, they've been there in the past. They were the team that lost to Concordia in 2016 at the 3A state championship. So they're back looking for a state title. And then in 2A, 
uh, two Catholic schools from opposite ends of the state. We have uh, Andrean out of Merrillville, the Fighting 59ers. They go for another state championship against Evansville Modern Day. Uh, this is the early Friday game um, to kick off the weekend and, and uh, another exciting game, I'm sure. You know, two hard-hitting teams, two storied programs, Coach, and should be a f uh, fun one there. And then, of course, our, our last championship game, 1A, another team from our area, uh, Adams Central, the Flying Jets versus Indianapolis Lutheran, a rematch of last year's state championship in Class 1A uh, that the Flying Jets came up just a little bit short. They get back to Indy, Indianapolis. These two teams have been the top two teams all season, Coach, yeah. and this should be another Donnybrook to, to settle for a state championship, and, and hopefully those Flying Jets can get it done this year. Yeah, and you know, hey, it's it's going to come down to can they do the things that they like to do offensively, and not get taken out of what they like to do. Um, it'll be a tough matchup because Lutheran's a little bit more of a team that can run it and throw it. Uh, but this should be another good ball game. And hey, let's face it, Adam Central wants to pay back uh, Lutheran and get the get their chance at the state title ring. Yeah, and uh, Adam Central last state championship 2000. This is also their first semi-state. Uh, they won last year as well, mm -hmm. but back in state. So should be fun. Good luck to them. Good luck to Carroll uh, as well in Class 6A. And, and, Coach, that really takes us to the end of the year, yeah. uh, the end of the season. We've had a fun first go around. You know, I, I was thinking about it. You called me on my birthday in July 7 and said, happy birthday. We should do a podcast. And I kind of said, <laughs> <laughs> and you said, no, I'm serious. And a couple months later, what, four months later, five months later, almost here we are. And uh, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, again, having the opportunity to have coaches and players on, I think, makes it a little bit uh, dynamic in what we were trying to accomplish. And you know, trying to expand upon what we've done for 1380, the fan 100.9 FM on Friday nights with the pregame show. And then, of course, uh, the games that we we get to cover each and every week. So it's been a lot of fun and uh, we've accomplished a lot for the first year, just kind of piecemealing it together, I would say. Yeah, and I finally got my studio set like yeah. right week six. There we go. So, <laughs> but yeah, and we just especially too want to thank all the guests who have come on this season. Of course, we talked to Alan True earlier. Earlier, Brett Rump, Chad Zolman, Doug Dynan, Kurt Tipman, Ben Johnson, Dylan Bennett, Casey Colkman, Todd Mason, Josh Gerber, Bryce Bennett, Sherwood Haydock, Jim Shovlin, Brett Fox, Luke Hopper, Kamari Juarez, Nick Thompson. And, of course, Mike Rags at 1380, the fan, 100.9, the FM, the program director there, who was nice enough to put our show on 1380 uh, radio dial every Wednesday night at 8 uh, during the season and just another opportunity to get our show out there a little bit more. And, Coach, it's been a fun ride, and uh, good luck on uh, Friday and Saturday calling the state finals. And uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, and I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the state championships uh, off air and online again with another episode of upon further review next year. Well, that's the next thing we do. We just put things to bed for the winter and mm -hmm. go into hibernation. And then we'll come back yep. out next August and get things rolling yep. for the 2023 20, football season, which will be here sooner uh, than we think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for the coach Shannon Griffith, I'm Eric Dudkevich, better known as Dude. Thank you for joining us all season long on Upon Further Review. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the state finals and good luck to Carol and Adam Central. So long, everybody.